0: It's time.
1: We are not called to be nice.
0: Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here.
2: We are
3: often called to be confrontational.
2: And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like
3: for- me or you, or you don't like me, James?
4: Are you okay? You are all
5: right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it.
1: Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We
5: have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do.
4: It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director
5: of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game.
4: This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host.
5: Some things are worth fighting for.
4: And good
6: Wednesday morning, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy today. Now, if you've been up all night and you've been worried whether Vice President Kamala Harris has made it back to Washington, she has. She was able to sleep in her own bed last night. Uh, she finished up her visit to Guatemala and to Mexico and then flew over the border, as she did when she was going down there. No stops at the border. Uh, no not, It's not necessary to go there, even though President Biden has put her in charge of dealing with what they don't call the crisis at the border. She said it was really not necessary for me to stop at the border and deal with the real problem and see it with my own eyes. We'll have more of that on that story in just just a second, because there's much more to to talk about there. I want to start off with some great news. Yesterday, a Christian teacher in Virginia who was suspended for refusing to lie to children about their sexuality, has been reinstated. A circuit judge said Tanner Cross, elementary school PE teacher in Loudoun County, Virginia, he was placed on administrative leave last month after daring to speak publicly of his faith and his opposition to a school policy that said, when you have a student come in, a male student, and they say they feel like a girl, you have to address them as she. So here he is at the school board meeting, talking about what got him in trouble with the school board. It's cut number nine.
4: It's not my intention to hurt anyone, but there are certain truths that we must face when ready. We condemn school policies like 8040 and 8035 because it will damage children, defile, defile the holy image of God. I love all of my students, but I will never lie to them regardless of the consequences. I'm a teacher, but I serve God first. And I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion. It's lying to a child. It's abuse to a child. And it's sinning against our God.
6: And for stating that publicly, he was put on suspension immediately. Now, fortunately, we have Christian law firms in this country, one of them, Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, They immediately went to court and asking for an injunction to have him reinstate it. And that's what happened yesterday. This judge said, you know, he cannot lose his job for speaking about his Christian faith. Now, his lawyer uh, for ADF is Tyson Langhoffer. This is what he had to say in the wake of that judge's decision yesterday. No
7: teacher should be punished for simply advocating for the good of their students. So every teacher should be cheering this decision because school boards have no right to punish teachers simply for speaking at a public forum um, on on a policy that's being considered by the board. The school board punished Tanner simply for speaking at a public meeting in his private capacity. And even he went to work the next day and there were no problems, yet they still suspended him. That's unconstitutional and that shouldn't happen. All right,
6: it's really quite interesting. Yesterday, in the wake of the judge's decision, uh, and, and in the court arguments, the school system argued that Tanner Cross was not suspended for expressing his beliefs. Now, if you believe that, put up your hand. I don't see any hands. They say that because his remarks caused a disruption at the school, they say five parents contacted the principal After the school board meeting, requesting their children have no interaction with Cross. You know, when I read that, here's what came to mind. I wonder if the school allowed a male teacher to come in dressed as a woman. And you had parents upset with that when their kids went home, told their parents, parents were upset. Would the school board say, because you're upset parents, we'll make sure that that teacher doesn't show up that way again in the classroom? Again, I think you know the answer to that, the the kind of situation that we're living in today. One other story, too. and This story comes from Englewood, New Jersey. There, an English teacher who's paid $52,000 a year in a private school there has quit her job over, you guessed it, critical race theory lessons. She objected to that, and she was branded a racist. Her name is Dana Stengel Plow. She taught at the Dwight Englewood School in Bergen County. She said head of school uh, Rodney DeJernit told the entire faculty that he would fire everyone if he could replace them with people of color. She also accused the school of segregating teachers by their skin color and said students were also made to segregate themselves within the oppressor or oppressed group. So kudos to her. She has certainly gone public, and rightly so, with her story. Folks, Critical Race Theory, we're going to be talking more about this in just a few moments with regards to what it's doing in places like the Southern Baptist Convention which, by the way, they're holding their annual meeting next week. As I say, we'll talk more about that. But critical race theory is dividing this country. I found it absolutely amazing, amazing, that earlier this week or during the weekend, former President Barack Obama doing an interview with CNN, he can't just understand it all. While Republicans are so upset, about critical race theory cut number two you would think with all the public policy debates that are taking place right now that you know the Republican Party would uh, be engaged in a significant debate about uh, how are we going to deal with the economy and what are we going to do about climate change and what are we going to do about lo and behold the the single most uh, important issue to them apparently right now is critical race theory who knew that that was the threat to our republic well it is a threat to our republic uh with respect former president obama because it is dividing this country incredibly when you have something like crt critical race theory which states that if you're born a white person you are automatically an oppressor and if you're born a person of color, automatically you are the oppressed person. And therefore, the alleged oppressor must make changes in their life, and they, the oppressed must be compensated for this alleged situation. It's absolutely amazing. It is dividing this country. It is our school system. Our kids are being indoctrinated with it. It's in our churches. The mainstream media is filled with this. Critical race theory, as we have reported many times, is based in Marxism. That's what it is. It is meant, it is designed to divide the country. Well, thankfully, people are fighting back like this teacher in New Jersey, but also Russell Vought, I remember him. He's the Wheaton grad that was attacked by Senator Bernie Sanders during his confirmation hearing. He was getting a, a position in the Trump administration on the financial side of things. Bernie Sanders attacked Russell Vought because Russell Vought wrote a paper when he was a student at Wheaton saying that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Bernie Sanders says he wasn't fit to be a federal government employee. Well, now Russell Vought has a new job. He's head of the Center for Renewing America, and he's created a guide. Folks, you need to listen to this. He's created a guide to help parents that want to fight back against critical race theory. He was interviewed on Fox. Here's a little bit of that interview. Cut seven.
4: You know, this is a, a state-sanctioned racism that is based on a legal theory that has been around for a number of decades that says that we're going to reject—the legal theory says we're going to reject a colorblind society and move towards governing and, and judging people based on the color of their skin instead of the content of their character. President Trump led on this. He asked us to lead when we were at Office of Management and Budget. So we had experience going through the fire, being called a racist, having to articulate what the legal theory is how to spot it in the federal government and we wanted to use that expertise to arm and to provide our resources to the american people who are out there seeing this in their communities the movement out there is very organic people are seeing it i think from zoom calls from watching their teachers uh, as a result of the pandemic and others and they're 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 needing resources to be able to say okay how do you spot it because critical race theory doesn't just put a neon light around itself it has certain buzzwords All right, and if you're interested in getting this, uh,
6: Russell Vout said you can go to their website, Center for Renewing America, Center for Renewing America, and you can get this guide. It explains what CRT is all about and also how you can fight back. Among the recommendations, apparently, in this guide is you may want to think about running for school board yourself. Get involved. Get engaged and uh, I think which is a terrific recommendation. But first, you have to learn what CRT is all about and what it's doing in our culture today. So an excellent resource from the Center for Renewing America, and that was Russell Vout, the head of that organization. All right. As I mentioned off the top of the program, Vice President Kamala Harris is back in Washington, D.C. Um, her trip down there, I would say, didn't go as well as she had planned. Uh, because there were questions asked about why she wasn't stopping at the border. A lot of people want to know that. President Biden put her in charge of dealing with the crisis at the border. As I say, the Democrats are refusing to call it a crisis. At least some Democrats are. But she made no stop there. She flew right over the border going down and, of course, coming back. Well, she was asked about that by Lester Holt of NBC during an interview while she was in Guatemala. Here's a little bit of that interview.
7: Okay. Do you have any
0: plans to visit the border? We've
3: been to the border, so You've, this whole this whole this whole thing about the border today,
0: you haven't been to the border,
3: I, and I haven't been to Europe, and I mean I don't I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm not discounting the importance of the border. Well,
0: I, I know Republicans have certainly come at you on this, but Democratic Congressman Quayar, has a border district, has said to the, you and the president, "Come, you need I to see, care need to about, see this." care
3: this, I care about what's happening at the border. I'm in Guatemala because my focus is dealing with the root causes of migration. There may be uh, some who think that that is not important, but it is my firm belief that if we care about what's happening at the border, we better care about the root causes.
6: Yeah, we care about. And uh, here's what she's doing. I'm going to write checks for billions of dollars to countries like Guatemala, give them money. They say to improve their economy, and also, by the way, she figures one of the reasons these uh, thousands, tens of thousands are flooding our border is because of climate change and the effect of climate change in places like Guatemala and Honduras. Not many people are buying that, but the mainstream media, unfortunately, for the most part, kudos to Lester Holt for at least asking the question down there. Now, Lauren Bobart, she's a uh, Republican congresswoman from Colorado, I believe it is. And uh, so she has responded to Kamala Harris not going to the border. She created a little video, and she had a cutout of Kamala Harris down on the border. Here's what she has to say about the vice president's lack of appearance at the border. Cut six.
5: Frankly, when I brought a cardboard cut out of her, I brought more substance and more attention to the southern border than she has as borders are. I have seen hundreds of unaccompanied minors at our southern borders who do not have their parents, who whose parents are self-separating because of the policies that allow them to cross into our nation. I have seen the plane tickets that are purchased by United States tax dollars by United States citizens to ship illegal aliens all throughout our country this is a crisis for the ranchers in texas who are regularly having their property damaged and their safety threatened by these aliens it's a crisis mm-hmm. but for joe biden mm-hmm. and cackling kamala this is mission accomplished
6: did she say cackling kamala <laughs> all right there it is as i say america you know there's a crisis on our southern border it is by design I remember president uh, biden when he was a candidate said i want a surge at the border he owns this crisis, and they're doing nothing about it. More on Sandy Rios in the morning when we return after the break.
0: Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied After making the switch, too, the customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within 2 minutes a very very smart use of 2 minutes here's the number you need 833 44 bible that's 833 44 bible 833 44 bible
7: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next.
0: If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595.
7: Blue's Clues, the popular television program for children, published a gay pride video featuring lesbian alligators, transgender beavers, and non-binary dolphins. Nickelodeon says the sing-along video for kids is part of its gay pride month celebration. Nina West, a man who dresses like a woman, provided the voice for the video's animated drag queen. The cartoon features a parade of LGBT families. The point is to convince children that families can have two mommies or two daddies, and they can be asexual, bisexual, or pansexual, which, by the way, has nothing to do with pots, pans, or any other kitchen utensils. The producer of the cartoon said it was a career highlight to create a pro-gay video for preschoolers. When Blue's Clues first started, it was about helping to challenge and build the self-esteem of three-year-olds, not confuse them. Clearly, when it comes to the traditional family, Nickelodeon doesn't have a clue. I'm Todd Starnes.
0: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to the Wednesday edition of
6: Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy. Always a pleasure to do so because you're one of the best audiences American Family Radio has very dedicated her podcasts wow people uh, don't get enough a live program they go back and they listen again and again and the reason for that because she's on top of the issues well in less than a week about a week's time actually uh, Southern Baptist what they call messengers they don't call them delegates messengers will be gathering for the denominations annual meeting in Nashville. Already, registration for this year's annual meeting is the largest since 1995. And there's a reason for that. The Southern Baptist Convention, and in the interest of full disclosure, I'm a member of the Southern Baptist Church. Uh, the Southern Baptists, I believe, haven't seen this level of crisis since going back to the days of Adrian Rogers and the battle uh, that ensued, this is back late 70s, 80s, over the authority of scripture, which Adrian Rogers and his side of the story won. But now there's a a new crisis within the Southern Baptist Convention, depending on who you talk to, uh, a lot of different reasons one of them being wokeness uh, that has entered into certain circles of the Southern Baptist Convention. I I think one of the latest, uh, one of the main reasons uh, for the current controversy, it kind of erupted back in 2019 during their last meeting, Resolution 9. Resolution 9 was introduced at that convention as a resolution condemning critical race theory. But by the time the platform was through with that resolution, they had turned that resolution around 180 degrees to show support for critical race theory. Well, all of that has exploded over the last couple of years. That's one reason. And a figure at the at the very front of this controversy, for a lot of different reasons, even going beyond CRT, is Russell Moore. Russell Moore, who headed the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission at the Southern Baptist Convention for eight, nine years, created a lot of controversy. Uh, one, another reason was his open attack against former President Trump and Trump supporters, making accusations that, uh, and, and many times they were veiled, that if you're a Trump supporter, somehow you're putting politics ahead of God. And Russell Moore wasn't the only one. Now, about 10 days ago, Russell Moore resigned very abruptly. And uh, he left. He's now going to work for Christianity today. In fact, I understand he's not even going to a Southern Baptist church anymore there in the Nashville area where he lives. But days after that resignation, mysteriously, a letter that Russell Moore wrote to his board of trustees back in February 2020 magically appeared. I think Religion News Service, a few others, got a hold of this letter, were given this letter, in which he openly condemned certain people in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, for they, he, he accused them of not doing enough about allegations of sexual abuse in some Southern Baptist churches and he accused some of tolerating racism. Now, since that letter was made public, there's another letter that has come out that Russell Moore wrote to current President J.D. Greer, in which he was more specific in his allegations against certain people in the Southern Baptist Convention. One of those who was the focus of Russell Moore's attack is Mike Stone. Mike Stone is pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Blackshire, Georgia, He was the one who headed an investigation into why the ERLC was causing so many problems among Southern Baptists, and he's also a candidate to be the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, a few days ago, he wasn't able to come on and join us live this morning, but a few days ago, I talked to Pastor Stone about the current controversy and asked him what he plans to do about it, should he be elected president next week. Here's a portion of that interview. Pastor Stone, my, my first question to you is uh, this letter from Russell Moore was written about 14, 15 months ago, long before his announced resignation in the last 10 days. Your thoughts on why all of this was put on hold, his letter, and magically released just in the last few days?
8: Well, I think that the average Southern Baptist and even each of your listeners that are not Southern Baptist can see this letter for what it is. The timing of it is clearly related to the upcoming presidential election in the Southern Baptist Convention and the desire of the powerful and the elite among the Southern Baptists to make sure that uh, Southern Baptists do not consider me serving as president. And I think it's actually going to backfire because, again, I think that Southern Baptists can see just the timing of this letter, much less the content of it, uh, as, uh, as really more of a cheap political ploy than anything to do with standing for righteousness and justice.
6: To be clear, you headed up a committee uh, for the executive committee that investigated the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which Russell Moore headed up to a few weeks ago, is that correct?
8: Well, uh, no. I would I would just correct that just a little bit. We were not investigating the ERLC because the ERLC is governed by its own board of trustees. the The challenge is. The executive committee, of which I was the uh, chairman at the time, we oversee the budget for the Southern Baptist Convention that's called the Cooperative Program, and we were hearing concerns from grassroots Southern Baptists, literally all across the depth and breadth of the SBC, that they were withholding or reducing giving to Southern Baptist missions causes because of their concerns with the ERLC. And so our communication was not with the ERLC in terms of investigating them, but we were in communication with the churches and state convention partners of the Southern Baptist Convention to see what the actual effect, the measurable and objective effect was of Southern Baptist uh, decrease in missions giving because of concerns about the leadership of the ERLC. All
6: right. In his letter, uh, Dr. Moore mentions a few points of which he took particular issue with this investigation. One of those, he seemed to say that there were certain members of the committee. Now, I don't think he ever mentioned your name in his letter. However, he, he believes that one of the reasons for the investigation was that there were certain Southern Baptists that didn't like the initiative undertaken by Russell Moore and uh, current President J.D. Greer with regards to allegations of sexual abuse in Southern Baptist churches. Your response to that?
8: Well, I'm personally offended and greatly taken back by that accusation. He did not name me in the first letter, but there was a subsequent letter that was supposedly written as a private letter to President J.D. Greer, although it was leaked uh, as sort of what I've called a backdoor press release. And in that second letter, he does name me very explicitly and specifically in that regard. And I will just say that as a sex abuse survivor myself, I find that accusation as offensive as it is inaccurate. It is, in strongest terms, it is a bold-faced lie. He,
6: He seems to say in his letter that there's a small group and obviously as you mentioned in this follow-up letter he names you specifically my impression over the last several years is that there's been a large contingent of southern baptists that were not happy with russell moore for a number of reasons one of those being his attack against president trump and president trump followers Do you believe that that was one of the ingredients into his bitterness towards you and some other Southern Baptists?
8: It's obvious to me that he is a very bitter man. He is lashing out at everyone, in part because, quite frankly, just professional people do not leave their employment uh, in the manner in which Russ Moore has chosen to do so. The, The pushback or the difference of opinion that has existed on the sex abuse side has had absolutely nothing to do with American politics. It has to do with the fact that Southern Baptists do not want to be led by the Me Too movement and this leftist progressive agenda that is sweeping across this country through American and secular politics when it comes to accusations of sexual abuse. We want to be guided by the Word of God, and we do not want to adopt this idea this mantra of that you're guilty until you can prove yourself innocent, and that is the those are the conversations that have been had and are still being had today uh, among Southern Baptists. But there is there is little debate that Russ Moore's leadership of the ERLC for the last seven or eight years has been among the most divisive situations uh, that the Southern Baptist Convention has faced in the modern era. And I personally believe that this exit strategy of his is a desire to simply distract from that, that he has been a divisive and destructive leader for the mission causes of the Southern Baptist Convention.
6: Is his resignation going to resolve this divide? Or in your opinion, as a candidate to be president, is this division, does it continue? Is this something, should you be elected president, that you're going to continue to have to deal with?
8: I I don't think that his resignation is going to resolve this crisis, in part because he has been propped up and supported by his board. And the ERLC is governed not directly by messengers to the Southern Baptist Convention, but indirectly through the board of trustees that we select uh, to hold that organization in trust on on behalf of the convention. And so those same trustees who have supported him and uh, defended him, propped him up and promoted him, those same trustees are still the ones that are in place. It's interesting, uh, Fred, that in the aftermath of all this, we're finally hearing from some trustees who say that they've been left in the dark as to some of their their own dealings at the ERLC, that the executive board at the ERLC, a very small group Of Russ's uh, friends and supporters have not shared all of the information that the other trustees needed to actually do their job. With all that being said, I I think that uh, we're going to continue to face these problems because we're at a watershed moment in the life of the Southern Baptist Convention.
6: Is it inevitable, regardless of what happens at the convention, which starts about a week from today, that we are going to see a divide in the Southern Baptist Convention that one faction or the other uh, will leave the ship.
8: I'm I'm of the persuasion, Fred, that I don't think that it is inevitable, but I do believe that it is probable. I do not use the word split, but I've been asked this question many times. I do think that we are headed for at least a very significant splintering because Southern Baptists, we are actually a cooperating network of independent and autonomous Southern Baptist churches. There's no pew tax. There are no membership dues. So Southern Baptist churches can vote with their feet and they vote with their pocketbook. And that's one of the challenges that we have seen with a decline in cooperative program giving. Again, that's the SBC missions budget, uh, because when Southern Baptists feel like they're not being heard, they vote with their feet and they vote with their pocketbooks. And uh, we actually see a great divide coming in the Southern Baptist Convention I think it is in many ways a fulfillment of a question that Amos asked centuries ago, how can two walk together unless they be in agreement? And Southern Baptists have just so many fault lines in front of us today. I would seek, if elected, to be as much of a unifying factor as Southern Baptists would allow me to be, but I do believe that we're headed for some ongoing, very challenging days in the SBC.
6: Would you agree that part of the factioning with inside the Southern Baptist Convention has something to do that's dividing not only that denomination but our country right now and that is the push over critical race theory
8: absolutely in fact i have spoken about this literally all across the country and i have been the principal author of a resolution that is going to be presented to the southern baptist convention next week when we meet in nashville tennessee that deals with the incompatibility of critical race theory and intersectionality with the Baptist faith and message which is our doctrinal statement for the SBC this is uh it is a divisive and a destructive secular philosophy and theory and fred when when resolution 9 i know your listeners are uh, largely familiar with that, mm-hmm. when that passed the Southern Baptist Convention in 2019, it already was a success for the progressive movement within the SBC because critical race theory and intersectionality, they are not tools of unity. They are weapons of division. Just the fact that we are now having to discuss critical race theory is a source of division because it's, it's a quagmire that there's no way to get out of it without making uh, one side or the other mad. Critical race theory, though, needs to be refuted clearly, boldly, and compassionately by the messengers to the Southern Baptist Convention, because it is inconsistent with what Jude called the faith once we're all delivered to the saints.
6: Well, sir, uh, it's going to be an interesting convention to watch, to listen to, and uh yeah, I understand there are probably more messengers now that have been registered. It's going to be one of the largest conventions in years, is that correct?
8: That's correct. Our pre-registration is already the largest that it has been since 1995, and I believe that uh, we're going to continue to see more pre-registration and an awful lot of people registering at the door. So it will be the largest annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention literally in decades.
6: Pastor Mike Stone, thank you so much for joining us, sir. So Thank you. you. It's a privilege it. to be with you. Mike Stone, he is pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Blackshire, Georgia, and he's also a candidate to be president of the Southern Baptist Convention, which, as I say, they open their annual meeting a week from today in Nashville. We are going to be watching. It should be one of the most critical annual meetings of the Southern Baptist Convention in recent years. 888 8840 is the number to call. 888 888- 8840 would like to hear from you. Be you a Southern Baptist or have comments on what's going on inside the Southern Baptist convention, but also things politics. Kamala Harris back in Washington, never stopped at the border, even though she's in charge of the border crisis. Much more ahead on Sandy Rios in the morning on this Wednesday. Back after the break.
0: Hello, I'm Gary Roby, host of call to worship, heard each Sunday on American Family Radio. This one-hour program will lead you in a special time of worship and praise. We will focus on God's Word, spoken, and in music. Call to Worship has a different topic each week as we glorify God together. Be sure to join us at 5 a.m. Central each Sunday for a Call to Worship right here on American Family Radio. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God, and our role is that of a trusted manager. Thank you for standing with AFA as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values.
9: The first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Major League Baseball was slapped with a $1.1 billion lawsuit for pulling the 2021 All-Star game out of Atlanta. The Job Creators Network, an organization that advocates for small businesses, filed the lawsuit arguing the MLB's decision cost Georgia businesses $100 million in lost revenue and is seeking $1 billion in punitive damages. MLB bought into the false narrative about Georgia's voter integrity law that replaced signature verification with the photo ID requirement, while MLB itself requires IDs at will-call ticket windows at its ballparks all across the country. The Job Creators Network is saying enough.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6
1: p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
0: Proverbs says, Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Brian Fisher here with an excerpt from my Boy to Man book for fathers to read with their 12-year-old sons. As a man, God has made you for work. Working hard to provide for your needs and the needs of your family is central to what it means to be a man. You have been called to be both a protector and a provider for your family. One of my good friends is independently wealthy and did not need to work a single day in his life. I wasn't in his position. If I didn't work, my family didn't eat. I've never regretted that, even for a single day, and never wished I could trade places with him. I found great satisfaction in knowing that my wife and children were depending upon me and that I was taking care of them. Order a copy of the Boy to Man book today as a Father's Day gift at afastore.net, afastore.net. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio.
1: This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Congressman Eric Swalwell of California is back in the news. It appears this inveterate practitioner of Saul Alinsky's brand of radical leftist political warfare is complicit in an actually illegal act against Representative Mo Brooks, a Republican colleague now running for an Alabama Senate seat. Of course, Swalwell's latest misconduct involving the use of a process server who unlawfully entered Mr. Brooks's home as part of a frivolous lawsuit pales by comparison to the significance of his previous episode involving the serial betrayal of his country to our enemies. Specifically, this member of the House Intelligence Committee accepted sexual favors and campaign contributions from a Chinese communist spy nicknamed Fang Fang. It's no longer possible to ignore the dangers associated with Swallow's continued access to any classified information, let alone virtually all of our nation's secrets. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi must end that vulnerability now. This is Frank Gaffney.
0: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back
6: to the Wednesday edition. Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred sitting in for Sandy today. You know, we've been talking on this program and certainly other programs over recent months of the great divide in this country. Uh, and it's the extreme left against conservative Christian values for the most part. And it's uh, demonstrating itself uh, in, in various locations. We've been talking about the Southern Baptist Convention the last few minutes how that division is taking place in there, in that convention. It's already taking place in other denominations. It's going on in schools across the country. But the good news is that parents and some teachers, as we heard earlier, are fighting back against that. And there was one case in, in Carmel, New York, recently, where a mom, Tatiana Ibrahim, went to the school board and boy, did she set them straight on what they're up to and how she objects to it and wants to put a stop to it. Cut number four.
5: You're t- teaching my children and other children that if they believe in God Almighty, they're part of a cult. We have Mr. Barry who took it upon himself with Miss Cyrus to create a curriculum.
6: That should be it.
5: Do you want the proof? I have the proof. You created a curriculum of Black Panther indoctrination. Ma'am. You use taxpayers dollars. Can I ask you one more time? I, I, I have no issue hearing what you have to say. but Why, are, why can we not let the public speak? Why can't we s- let the public know that you're teaching our children to go out and murder our police officers? Do you want the proof? I have the proof. Is that what scares you? The proof? That a parent actually standing up against all of you? Is that what scares you to call out the names of these people? You work for me. I don't work for you. You have a duty. We are entrusting our children to you. We teach our children morals, values when they grow up to commit crimes and end up in prison and kill a police officer. It's our fault. No, it's your fault. You're emotionally abusing our children and mentally abusing them. You're demoralizing them by teaching them communist values. This is still America, ma'am. So no- so normally, I'm just going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to just give you just a feedback for a moment. I have no problem having a peaceful discussion. This is not a peaceful discussion.
6: <laughs> oh my, this is not a peaceful discussion. You're not being nice to us. We Want to hear only positive affirmation of what we're doing to your kids? I tell you what, uh, I don't know Tatiana Ibrahim personally, but she's got a lot of guts, and as I say, it's nice to see some parents fighting back. Triple eight, five eight nine, eighty eight forty. Time to hear from you, triple eight, five eight nine, eighty eight forty. Let's head to Texas and have a listen to uh Asante, uh, Asante. I believe I hope I have that right. Do I have Asante?
3: No.
6: Yeah, go go. ahead.
3: Like the word.
6: Okay, go ahead.
3: (laughs) It's okay. Hey, I just want to say real quick. Years ago, Satan tricked white people into segregating black people. Today, Satan is tricking black people into segregating themselves. Since we are fighting the enemy, the people like running stuff like in the schools, then we need the Holy Spirit to fight the demon influence in those people. Before every battle we go in, speak Scripture first so the Holy Spirit can take over the battle within those people. Christians have a sword of righteousness in their hands, but they keep dropping it when it comes to the opportunity when those battles arise. So whatever happened to saying, get thee behind me, Satan. And what holds Christian tongues? It's shame. It's embarrassment. When you go to a school meeting, bring your sword with you. And I love that lady, Tatiana, I guess her name is. You have a blessed day, sir. I got to go. <laughs>
6: right. Well, it's good to talk to you, Asante. Um, and and you're exactly right. And, and And sometimes as Christians, we forget about this, that at the very heart of what's going on in our country right now, it is a spiritual battle. And we need to equip ourselves by, number one, praying. Praying for courage to speak up about these things. Praying to God that he, the Holy Spirit will get a hold of the hearts of these school board members, our politicians, our media members, who are really out there attacking Christian values and trying to su- suppress any kind of Christian speech. So we talked about off the top of the program this morning, that public school teacher in Loudoun County who basically was told, uh, we don't want to hear you talking about God. We don't want to hear you talking about, talking about that you're not going to address a boy as a girl just because that boy says he's a girl. He was suspended. I'm talking about Tanner Cross a judge yesterday said the school board had no right to suspend him because he was expressing his Christian beliefs. So, yes, take the sword. Pray up, but then speak up. Too many times I think Christians stop at praying about it and then say, okay, I'll let somebody else speak up. No. We can do it respectfully, but we need to be honest and we need to be blunt. Let's go to Oklahoma, Wes. Good morning, Wes. Go ahead.
9: Hey, good morning, Fred. I'm sure Miss and Sandy. I'm having withdrawals from her. But anyway,
6: <laughs> she'll be back real. Every, she'll be back real soon.
9: Well, that's good. Uh-huh. That way, I can wake up every day and have some good thoughts. Anyway, okay. My thought today is, uh, you know, they they're talking about the border and uh, Kamala's not going down there. Well, they already know what going on. They have the coordination enough to be flying people out in the middle of the night and busting them around the country. So they're, they know what's going on down there. When are the American people going to wake up?
6: Well, uh, you know, that's the American people. I think Wes are waking up. Uh, you may have heard the results of the election in McGowan, Texas last weekend for the first time in years. In a city of McAllen, Texas, that has been largely run by Democrats for years now. It is 85% Hispanic, the population there. For the first time, a Republican won the mayoralty race. Here's some thoughts, and Wes, you open the door on that. Hispanic people who live in this country are citizens of this country. They are hardworking. They go out, they get up each morning, and they go out and they work hard. They have started businesses. They employ people. Not for a minute, especially those Hispanic people who are living along the border and they are seeing firsthand this crisis every day. Not for a minute do they support this. There are Democrat members of Congress from border districts that are speaking out against their party. They are being honest. They have to be because they're accountable to their district. They're being honest. They're saying Biden is a creator of this mess. Remember what he did. After being swearing uh, sworn in as president, he said, stop building the border wall. Remember what he said when he was a candidate in 2019. He said, if I become president of the United States, I will invite a surge at the border. He is doing exactly what he said he would do. And now we have this huge crisis on our southern border. Close to 200,000 streaming across that border illegally every month. Every month. And by the way, you may not have heard this, but Border Patrol people said they've now cataloged, it's not just people from Central America, It's people from 29 countries have streamed across our border. You know, I was reading something this morning, too, and, of course, many of these people, they're claiming asylum because they know that, will for the most part, will get them to stay. There are smugglers, human smugglers. There's a story on Drudge this morning about this. They're making upwards of $200,000 to smuggle people in It is a crime. President Joe Biden and his vice president Kamala Harris are aiding and abetting in human smuggling. There was another story this morning. A precious little five-year-old who was dumped over the border wall. The story of another little boy the other day. This is criminal, folks. And the administration in Washington, D.C., the Biden administration... It's turning its eyes away. Kamala Harris will not even land her plane at the border because she doesn't want the media covering her there because the media would have to show the pictures of what the crisis is. So she flies over it. It's it's a shame. It's a shame. It really is. And I hope that people will remember this when we get to those midterm elections next year. Back to our phones, Louisiana Paul, go ahead.
9: Yes, I would love to give a congratulations to the lady that was in the board meeting, that you just uh did an audio clip of. Kudos to her. I pray to God that we have a lot more bold men and women uh parents that will stand up against these um these war tactics. These are war tactics of the left. And we have to be bold and, and We're the ones that are called by God to raise our kids. So kudos to her that she's doing exactly what God told her to do.
4: And we have
9: the United States. We have these laws. I don't know. Maybe it's the – I almost wanted to say Ten Commandments. But, you know, we have the rights as parents to live uh, – no, I can't even think of it now. I'm just so excited over – there's someone like her standing up. Yes. And the words she used were so poignant. I'm so excited for her, and I hope she gets a lot of support in her community, in her state. And, you know, I know from this airing, uh, Sandy Rios, yes, we miss her, but y- y'all are doing a great job in, in her stead while she's uh, visiting with her kids. And I hope she's having a bus time as well. Yes. Oh, I know she is, but I
6: know she's... Also looking forward to getting back because I'm starting to get emails from her (laughs) about what's going on out there. So I know Sandy is anxious to get back and there'll be plenty uh, for her to talk about when she does come back, but thank you for the call. All right. Got time for, we're going to try to squeeze in maybe one or two more Uh, back to Texas and Ashley, Ashley, good morning. Go ahead. Hi there.
3: Go ahead. uh, Yes. I was
6: just wanted to make comment about uh, the lady that
2: was, speaking at the board meeting and at the very end, the response of the board member. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just kind of, the response kind of just is uh, just to like kind of cut that lady off in a way. But what I have learned, me and my husband, we had gone to marriage counseling. And one thing you learn in conversation is that you don't get offended by the feelings. Because you have to hear the person, what they're saying, and also the feelings. And the response back, like if my husband were to respond uh, just to get mad about how I'm expressing myself or the feelings, he's dismissing the conversation. And it's actually, my counselor considers that an abusive talk tactic. Tactic. And so that lady, in a way, is kind of using that an abusive way to dismiss her feelings of what she is Saying mm-hmm. and has to learn as a professional in that environment and in this day and age that we live to listen to parents in that environment. I thought it was very unprofessional of yep. her to comment like that.
6: So. Absolutely, we appreciate your comments, Ashley. You know, it's really interesting. If you, if you didn't hear that clip, uh, it was of tatiana Ibrahim, and uh, I think you could probably find it on YouTube. But, uh, yeah, the school board member basically saying, shaking her finger at uh, Tatiana Ibrahim and saying, now, now, you mustn't use words like that. Well, the word she was using was the truth that our kids are being indoctrinated on critical race theory. They're being indoctrinated about hating police officers and showing disrespect for police officers. And that school board member in Carmel, New York, didn't want to hear that. Well... The answer to all of that is, as Tatiana Ibrahim pointed out, guess what, school board member? You work for me. I don't work for you. So parents, time to fight back, right? We can complain about it, but it is time to fight back. We'll do our best to keep you informed here on American Family Radio. Much more great programming ahead. Hey, listen, just before we go, got a funny story for you. President Biden's off to Europe. The media plane that was traveling with him uh, was leaving last night, but it was delayed at Dulles International Airport. you know why? They had a problem with cicadas. There's an onslaught of cicadas up in the Washington area, and apparently it did something to the engine when it was starting up, so they delayed several hours. You know, God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? All right, have yourself a great day, folks, and remember, as always, be a blessing to someone else today. Bye for now.